I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, at NFL on Twitter, and of course follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I'm joined by my old buddy, my old pal, the Tommy from across the water. It's Ryan Peacock NFL, good day to you, sir. I'd love to uh, try and do some sort of posh Irish accent back in reply to that, but uh, I don't know that there is one. Oh, there is. There is. Oh, is there? Oh, yeah. there is. is. Is it yours? Is yours the posh Irish accent? Believe I it or not. I can't even say that. There's just, that's just, hang on, let me try that again. Posh Irish accent. It's very difficult. Yeah, it's a tongue twister. There is, there's a posh <laughs> Irish accent. And here's the funny thing, right? So, in my hometown, Wicklow town, um, I would have been... Yeah, right. Up Wicklow. That's so, where the water comes from for Guinness. I learned that. Yeah, in the reservoir. So yeah. it's where all the water for Dublin comes from. So we, uh, but anyway, I won't get into the politics and the and the infrastructure of Wicklow. <laughs> so uh, the the infrastructure podcast with that's our yeah, that's our show on a on a Tuesday evening. It so is yeah after a, into that. after a music podcast of a Tuesday morning. Um, yeah, so I'd be I'd class as a posh. Wicklow town accent because the Wicklow town accent and I don't know I'll say it and you just go yeah it sounds the same but a Wicklow town accent sounds like this like know what I mean like and I'll be talking like that not like I, I punch you in the face like so that's what the accent is from my hometown so I would be classed as having a quite a neutral posh accent in Wicklow but then in other parts of the country they think that I'm an inner city Dublin dude <laughs> which is like you know like ah here leave it out like you know people think like, for instance, I worked in a firm and the lads used to take the piss out of me and say that when I was standing behind them ordering lunch for the first on the first day, they thought I was going to rob them, so they checked their wallets. So I was kind of thinking, you know what I mean? It's like coming from a town where I'm seen as a poshy to go into a place in Dublin where they think I'm a gangster. So, yeah, there's a there's a posh Irish accent. And have you ever heard of the books by Russell Carroll Kelly? I have not, funnily enough. Right, so this guy, and the whole premise of the books is it's based on these people called D4s, so it's an area in Dublin. I don't know, it's like a postcode in London that'd be posh, like Chelsea or one of those, you know, Made in Chelsea, Essex, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, Chelsea, right? That's that's a posh London area, am I right? LX5, you know, it'd be the LX5s. So D4s is like Dublin 4, which is like Donnybrook um, and a posh area up there. So the D4 people talk like this, so this would be a posh Irish accent. So, yeah. Long story short, seven minutes into the podcast there and thereabouts. There's your answer, Ryan. Mm-hmm. So the only accent-related story I've got that could maybe challenge any of that is uh, I was in Liverpool for university. Uh, believe it or not, I did go to university. Uh, at John Moores. So up the John Moores. Right. Uh, or whatever you say. Don't up know what the that JMU. Means. Okay. I don't know, yeah. So went there, uh, playing in goal for some Wednesday football team, as you do. Nobody mm-hmm. goes to university on Wednesday. Yeah. And... Uh, I'm barking instructions, obviously, and somebody from the sideline on the other team shouts, why don't you F off back to London, Phil Mitchell? Oh. And I looked and I sort of, I explained I wasn't from near London, and it was answered with a few more swear words. Oh. But um, yeah, so that's, that's all I've got, really. Is that because you look but, like uh, Phil Mitchell, or was it the accent? You're going with the accent? I've loads of accent stories, because... Uh, I keep getting annoyed by people. My mates used to take the piss out of me as well because of because I got irked by the whole that I have a rough accent, so that used to offend me. So they kept taking the piss out of me that I was from Dublin, 
And then one day I was sitting in training with this Chinese guy. And I'm not looking to take the piss out of Chinese people with this accent. But he had a really Jesus. strong Asian tone to his voice. And we were sitting there and the lads used to say to me like, oh yeah, Steve, I don't think you're from Wicklow at all. I think you're from Dublin. And he used to take the piss. So we're sitting in training and there was this Chinese guy and he turns around and goes, uh, hello, uh, are you from Wicklow? And I said, oh yeah, very funny, brilliant. And I looked over at the lads, thumbs up. Yeah, thanks lads. That's it. Get the Chinese guy to take the piss out of me. And I said, yeah. And I sort of was real sort of snotty to him, you know, taking the piss out of him. And he's looking at me with this befuddled face like, why is this guy being so mean to me? And I said, why did, why did you ask me that? Did, and then, did these lads put you up to it? And he was like, I don't know who they are. I was like, oh, okay, so why? how did you spot over Wicklow accent? And he says, oh, I went to college with a girl from Wicklow. I was like, ah, oh, he actually thinks I have a Wicklow accent. And then it went from being me being pissed off to a sign of redemption. But the worst one about accents, Ryan, is from Wicklow Town, and I rented for like three years the property beside my parents' house. Literally next door to where I grew up my entire life. So 18, 19 years spent there, went off to college, was living in Dublin, but I didn't pick up any accent when I was there. So I moved back home when I got the job next door to my parents, literally a second away from where I grew up. This guy came around to try to sell me internet, and I was out cutting the lawn, and he was, uh, you know, you could tell that he was a dub. And you know what he says to me? He says, do you want the internet? I said, no, I'm fine. I already have it already. And he goes, oh, Jesus. He said, uh, you're not from around here anyway. I said, I'm literally from two seconds up the road. Like, next door? <laughs> That's where I'm from. Like, not, you're definitely not from around. He thought I was from Dublin. He was from Dublin. Thought I was from you, Dublin. See, yeah. I'm more confused that you went to university or college and you were mowing the lawn. <laughs> but yeah, enough action stories. We're here to talk about uh, someone who's made an impact at the tight end position. Now, we did say, Ryan, that we're going to do offensive line and tight end. And I would love to keep the veil up and the mystery around the UK Packers podcast and say we had to go tight ends because there was just so much to talk about. No, we were up the gack uh, in work and then I had to rush to the GP with my baby son. So we've only managed to <laughs> squeeze in a tight end. So I think that's what we'll do. Um, and we haven't discussed which tight end we've went for and we're going to leave each other's tight ends uh, revealed to the end. And I cannot wait to see your tight end. <laughs> cannot wait. I don't even know where to go with it, but mm. I am going to move on swiftly. So I think there's a few big names that come out of it, and uh, I think I have a feeling we'll have the same names written down on our notepad. However, I think we're going to end up choosing different players, but you never know. We might finally have one where we, we both just go, yeah, it's that guy, and we can put him in the team, and it'll be a very short podcast. So we'll see. But uh, I don't know. Two of the guys I've got down probably is as the guys I like. Uh, Bubba Franks okay. and Paul Kaufman. Uh, I've also got Ron Kramer up there. Um, there are others. I'm sure you've probably got others. Yeah, Mar Fleming I have in there, uh, like Ron nice. Kramer. Um, Bubba yeah. Franks obviously comes up a lot. Mark, Mark Chamora, which I know is uh, one of your faves. Yeah, absolutely. But come here. And do you know what? Come here you know to know me. What? <laughs> go on. <laughs> come here to me and go I'm on. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to fight to get in front of you there. <laughs> right, so I kind of... I picked two of my guys, before I looked at anything, I picked two of my guys based on Madden football games. Before I looked at any stats, before I looked at any history. Okay. And reason for that being Mark Chamura in the early games that I had, legendary. You threw him the ball, he caught it, touchdown. Yeah. And then after then as well, Bubba Franks in the late games, absolutely the same. You just threw him the ball and he caught it. Mm. You know, and then this continued and J. Michael Finley did the same and so on and so on and so on. Um, However, they weren't making Madden video games in the 50s and the 60s and 70s. And I don't know, they might have been making them in the 80s. Mm. So uh, it's probably a little unfair for me to actually 
base the whole result on Madden video games. A little bit. Uh, yeah, because if you were, then you wouldn't get that. Because I don't think Madden has a, becomes a dope after he plays uh, NFL. I, I don't think that's a stat, you know, like speed, accuracy, ball skills. Being a dope when you quit your quit the game. Talk about Jermichael Finley and when the whole Packers team jumped on him because he basically said said everyone should. He didn't say these words, but I'm going to translate into Irish. He basically gave everyone should shut your tits and uh, just do what you're paid to do, and that's play football. But anyway, let's. I don't think uh, Jermichael Finley makes a high in this list. But one thing I don't want to do in this podcast, I don't want to regret it because let me tell you a wee story. Come here to me, me old man, Ad Jesus Potatoes. Is that um last time when we did the wide receivers i went and vetoed you and said no no i'm not gonna go for a loft and i think we should go for sharp all the rest of it when i was editing mm-hmm. the podcast i kept thinking that we selected james lofton because of how amazing he was and then when i got to the end i was like did i really just over overrule you and did we do so if i may and as well as that I just, so i just need to point out as well that a lot of our followers also backed me up yeah. saying that they can't believe that James Lofton was left out. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's, you know, it's out there. Well, not to lose credibility, I think what we should do is, and this is what I wanted to do, and this <laughs> is what it sounded like, right? I'm not crumbling under pressure, right? Because I've learned from... A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so what we'll do is, is can we put Lofton in? Can we do that? Can we retrospectively no. go back and put him in? I think we can. I think we can do it. No, you Let's can't. Do. No, decision's made. You have to live with it. Mm. That's so sorry. That's a consequence for you. Maybe, oh, well. maybe, it'll make, maybe it'll make you think more before you make the next decision. <laughs> I, was ex- I was extrapolating uh, Sterling Sharp's career. Anyway, right, that's fine. That's fine. Right, I, I tried, people. I hope, I hope you felt like you were told off then by your mother. I did, yeah. You're just you're supposed to say my full name, Stephen. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, right, so are, are you going? Does, Stephen does... Patrick O'Brien. Patrick, Jesus. Yeah, Paddy, nice. Okay, yeah. Ryan Tommy Peacock. Um so I'm, I'm guessing then Tremora makes it high in your list Bubba Franks make it high in your list uh, I didn't even have Bubba Franks in my Ooh. list to you know when you you make your big one and then you pair it down Bubba Franks didn't make it sure so you're, you're going to ignore a guy that had over 2,300 yards and 32 touchdowns but yeah. you know who am I to who am I to question that well I think you have uh, <laughs> but... just did <laughs> well, the, the obviously the guy who comes in number one for me is Paul Kaufman. Played nineteen seventy eight to nineteen eighty five. Mm-hmm. Now, a, f- a few things because the thing is, I don't like looking at it just stats wise. Because if you were to look at the stats for the likes of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, they'd both be very similar. And then you'd look at the Super Bowl wins that Tom Brady has, and you might be fooled into thinking thirty years down the line that Tom Brady uh, was probably a better all round player, and he had some intangibles. Um, and you'd look at the fact of where he was drafted and that he shouldn't have been playing as good as he did. And then you'd put all of that together and you'd probably say in hindsight that Tom Brady was a better player than Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, so sometimes when you look at the, the stats a lot, and then you might look at Aaron Rodgers' stats and, you, you know, you can extrapolate different stuff from stats. So I suppose the stuff about... I'm, I'm almost contradicting myself here. But uh, the stuff that you want to do is you want to look behind the stats a bit and... and you know look at the importance to the team look at you know what he was tipped to do look and all of that type of stuff and that's why Paul Kaufman obviously he leads the Packers and the team records in tight ends with 39 touchdown passes 4,223 yards made it to the Pro Bowl three times um, played on that team with the guy that I've just mentioned James Lofton and John Jefferson was handy as well so the two of them would be outside threats and Paul Kaufman very much roamed in the middle but this guy was undrafted 
So that really stands out to me. And the fact that he did what he did uh, by being an undrafted player. Um, but another thing that kind of stands out as well, if we're talking about how important a tight end and the all-time tight ends are in Packers history, if you look at his stats when he's in Green Bay versus when he leaves to go to Kansas and then Minnesota, he was a non-factor for those other teams and he really stood out for the Packers. Now, maybe that's because he was kind of Lynn Dickey's um, go-to guy is kind of like his safety valve that the likes we see Drew Brees doing that right because he's quite undersized and Lynn Dickey had him as that sort of safety valve in the middle um, but super productive um, his yards per reception um, always topped 12 apart from one year where it was 11.8 and that was in 1980 but from 1979 all the way to 1985 this guy you know, fact was about what was it, twelve point five, all the way up to fifteen point one, um, yards per reception in nineteen eighty three. So you know, a lot of catches, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, breaks all the records, and he's undrafted. And also, uh, he was undersized; he was quite small for a tight end. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why do you know what when you're when I'm looking at these periods and how people come into it, I see Kaufman and I see Bubba Franks as very similar in that regard so I've, if I was to pick a skill set for an all-time team Kaufman because of all of those intangibles because he was stacked up against the odds I'll stop talking in two seconds um versus Bubba Franks who was an absolute beast um you know this guy was just his measurables were insane so I pick Kaufman all day every day and then I have which yeah. I'll discuss hopefully later. You know, Ron Kramer and all the Mar Fleming. I picked those for different reasons, Ryan. And that's why Bubba Franks didn't even make it into my reckoning, which is, is that blasphemy to you? Is Bubba Franks no, no, right up there? It, it, it's not because there's a lot of quality at this position. And again, as always, difficult decision to be made here. Mm. One of the reasons I like Paul Kaufman, I think, as you, you might have mentioned, he was, uh, he was undrafted. Yeah. Um, but also before that, he was a walk-on at college. Yeah. Um, you know, so this is a guy that was constantly, I guess, unfancied. Mm. Um, for whatever reason and he constantly had to go against the odds to, to do what he did and then to go on and achieve what he did with the Packers become the Pro Bowl uh, caliber tight end uh, and, and break um, Ron Kramer who's another guy we're about to talk about but break most of his records you know, and, and then end up in the Packers Hall of Fame so always going against what was probably expected um, and I kind of like that. I like the underdog story, you know, and it kind of mirrors, if you like, even the whole Green Bay franchise uh, at one point, very much the underdog story of the NFL. So I think it's, uh, I think certainly Kaufman is, is, is absolutely up there for me um, in, in one or two position. Yeah. And we do look at an awful lot of articles and stats and, you know, biographies and history pieces and all this type of stuff to do this podcast. But one thing that I found really strange was that there's actually an article on Packers.com which ranks the tight ends in from 1 to 10, which for a team-sponsored website is pretty rare to because, you know, it's kind of like the players are their children, so you can't be like, oh, well, he's just better than everybody else. You'd expect them to have some sort of unbiased and to sort of promote everybody. Um, but on their list, Ron Kramer comes out number one, and that kind of piqued my interest, and I think we both knew about Ron Kramer before um, and that's someone that you mentioned Ryan so yeah. I have a lot of stuff that I like about Ron Kramer but what stands out to you and, and why do you think that he would maybe potentially rival Paul Kaufman for a spot here on the all-time team okay so I think for a very different reason he was playing tight end in an era where it was a very different position yeah um, now when a tight end 
um, sort of going way, 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 way back, essentially was just just another lineman. I say just another lineman, that's unfair, but essentially a lineman, somebody that was in there to block, um, somebody that was in there to run block. Uh, and that's kind of what their job was. Yeah. And he was playing at a time when the Titan wasn't necessarily the first go-to passing option, it, you know, not like it's in the modern-day game. It's kind of changed now to a modern-day Titan. It's an oversized receiver, somebody that causes matchup problems for, for linebackers in terms of speed and for cornerbacks and safeties in terms of size. So... And they also have to be able to block. So you have to be able to do a lot more. He still managed to be incredibly effective, uh, not only in the in the run blocking game, um, not in the pass blocking game, but in the receiving game at a time when, as I say, that position wasn't exactly the go-to for, for, for the passing game. So that's why he particularly impresses me, um, Ron Kramer. So even Paul Horning comes out and says that he was – he was the key to the famous Packer sweep uh, because he was the guy that that got out there and he, he sort of opened the way for Horning to run, if you like. Yeah. Um, and and he was the guy that did that. So he he kind of he was there at a very iconic time for the Green Bay Packers. He did incredibly well in terms of performance. But like I said, I think it's because as that position has now changed throughout the years, he was there at a time where the receiving tight end was maybe not as utilised as it is in the modern day game. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why for me he's... Yeah, I, he, so my one and two essentially is Kaufman and Kramer, and I think that's where I've got to make my decision. Yeah, and they're both very different. Um, so Kramer was drafted fourth overall, which sort of sets him apart from Kaufman to a degree because he was expected yeah. to go on and do great things. And his career kind of sucked when he started. So he was drafted in 1957. He did pretty well in his first season. And then between, you know, getting drafted, going off um, and going into the Air Force and all the rest of it, and then coming back, you know, he missed a good bit of playing time and maybe his career was seen to be done. Uh, but he had a resurgence then with Vince Lombardi. And as you said, he was absolutely key to that power sweep. He used to uh, line up and position himself outside the tackle. And then it was his job to take on the on Russian linebackers and then to create that inside uh, or outside uh, crease for Horning to run through. And as we've seen, uh, Vince Lombardi, you know, used to hold seminars that had last a whole day or two days the weekend about the intricacies of the power sweep. So Ron Kramer had to have that football intelligence uh, to know exactly what formation that the D were in and then also what man to take and because everyone had to take a man and block you know certain ways to to allow that gap to open up uh, which was you know it was just a ballet on the on the football field yeah and as you said I mean this is what I was sort of saying at the start like why I picked Kramer as well was because um as you said he was adept at an age where the tight end you know you weren't really supposed to get up to a whole lot of tight end but he still managed um, 142 receptions for 2,257 yards between 60 and 64 when he just kind of had that resurgence and also his um, blocking was second to none in the NFL so and again th there was times where he played with Mar Fleming as well and the two of them were meant to be seen as like we talk about two tight end sets you look at uh, you know Kendricks uh, Bennett and arguably Richard Rogers now being the third and you look at these two tight end sets that the Packers are going to run nowadays mm -hmm. it's akin to what was going on back in the 50s and 60s with these guys so uh, he's in the Packers Football Hall of Fame comes out with 15 touchdowns 
um, averaged over 16 yards per reception. Some websites say for three seasons, some websites say four. I see three from the stats. Um, and then he requested a move to Detroit in the end. But you can't begrudge him because kind of like <laughs> TJ Lang, he's from Michigan, so he was just kind of going back home. Um, definitely makes number two for me, Ryan, by how important he was and how successful that Packers team was with the Packers sweep, sure. which was damn near impossible for so many years. Yeah, and I think, uh, as you said, Ron Kramer and Marv Fleming in particular played together. They not only did that at a time when the position was unfancied as a receiving option, but they did it as well when the team was full of receivers such as Carol Dale, Boyd Dale and Max McGee yeah. uh, and all the others. You know, So they, even if it was a fancy position, there's probably a good chance they still wouldn't have been the first go-to guys, and yet they still did what they did together. So, you know, Ron Kramer, Marv Fleming, they certainly got a big, big mention, and they're certainly up there. Um, alongside Paul Kaufman they won a whole lot more obviously because of the time in which they played in um, whether that comes into it at all for you I don't know uh, not really a, a, a nice fun fact that's out there is that Mar Fleming, Fleming was the first player to appear in five Super Bowls so uh, he won Super Bowl 1 and 2 with the Packers and then he was in 6, 7 and 8 with the Dolphins and he was also part of the super famous 1972 undefeated Dolphins team would you believe um, yep. so you know it's crazy like how good of a career this guy had he got to play alongside some of the absolute greats like you said Boyd Dale or Max McGee Carol Dale uh, received passes from Bart Starr um, finished with 12 touchdowns in Green Bay got to play beside Kramer himself um, but massive guy even back in the day 6 foot 5 240 pounds um, mm. you know this guy was huge uh, back in the day to be playing that position to be so adept at it he was probably uncoverable at times didn't have the same yards per reception um, as Ron Kramer did apart from in 1963 when he had 18.9 yards per reception but that's because he only had 7 receptions so <laughs> fair enough yeah, fair enough you know you can't believe there is there is a guy I do want to give a shout-out for a very different reason, so I don't think he makes our number one spot, but I want to give him a shout-out because uh, Ricky Zeller writes an article on Packers.com and he mentions a player called Ed West and he gives him the yeah. title as the top nickname among all Packers tight ends. And as you know, I do like a good name. Yeah. This guy, Ed West, was called Ed Toolbox West. I mean, that's just, I love it. So I'm guessing yeah. it's because he had all the tools. Yeah. He had everything he could offer and, and he, he had a pretty, you know, pretty good career as well. Um, playing 167 games for the Packers. Mm. So, yeah, that, that's a nice one. I just thought I'd, I'd mention it. Um, between that and, you know, Bubba Franks is a great name as well, obviously. But, uh, yeah. yeah, they well, get a mention for different reasons. Maybe <laughs> maybe nowadays you'd be called a toolbox, especially in Ireland because you're thick as a bag of spanners. But, um, yeah, let's hope it's because he was uh, well adept at all types of positions. So, like, you know what, this was a hard one and I couldn't believe the amount of talent that we had because I, I sort of had four names in my head but when I look back you could easily make a list of ten and then put on some honourable mentions. But I don't think we can crowbar Paul Kaufman from the top spot but the fans well, out there seem to be um, mad for a bit of Bubba Franks. It was just, yeah... This was, this was going to be my next point. So, look, as always, we do the poll on, on Twitter and we ask what people think on Facebook. Um, Bubba Frank's got 33%, mm. you know, and he is certainly, you know, formidable receiver um, at the tight end position and and, and definitely as, as worth a mention, as, as we have mentioned him. Um, Mark Chimura came second on the fan poll with 27%, mm. and that left Kramer and Kaufman. And if the fans were going to decide it for us, 23% of them went with Ron Kramer, over 17% that went with Paul Kaufman. Well, so. you see, 
again, is this not the perfect sign of recency <laughs> bias? So who was the most recent of all of these tight ends? Bubba Franks. And then uh, who came after that? Who came before that? Mark Chamora. And then who came before that? Kaufman. And who came before that? Kramer. So it's like people are going back through the handles of time, going, remember him. He was great. Don't really remember him. I know he's meant to be really good. That guy, I've heard his name before. And then this guy, don't know who he is, so he's last. You know, like, is that not how it's working? Uh could not this and the fans but we do have that recency bias but the thing is i mean if you look but, at bubba franks like his yards per reception are way lower than kaufman although he got up there in the yards and then his later career was decimated with injury so you know the last three seasons yeah. of his career were kind of write-offs to a degree sure. i mean you know he still came down with some receptions you know but in his final year 2008 he only came down with six so you know, it's that durability issue. Um, and again, that was for the Jets, um, which is another yeah, sort of small journey. There's, there's a couple of comments out there that I want to I want to put forward to see if they change anyone's opinion. But uh, Phil Rudkin, okay. uh, a guy that has popped up a few times on this podcast, right. uh, says that Mark Chamura uh, basically nearly led to him getting a Superman tattoo. Oh. <laughs> so I don't know if that don't know if that helps in any way. Um, and I like Rob Gard. This tweet, I think he's giving a bit of respect to yourself. So uh, it's not all—it's not all hate mail, Steve. Oh. Um, he says normally I'd pick Bubba Franks, but I did a Steve Diddy NFL, and and looked into the history. Ron Kramer for me. There you go. Happy days. So I just keeps going towards Ron Kramer. I'm just just saying, just saying. Well, so, that, I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, if you look at the Packers poll on the official Packers website, Ron Kramer comes out top. Um, and I'd be more—I'd be inclined to put him there, but I just. I like the Kaufman story. I like the era that he played in and how dominant he was. I like that he was undrafted. Sure. I like that he was undersized. And he holds mm-hmm. all the records. So I must admit, that that's a big thing for me. The fact that he was a walk-on at college. He was undrafted going into the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to do what he does. It's a real great story. Um, and then you have to weigh that up with the fact that, obviously, Ron Kramer played at the time he did, where the position hadn't, hadn't evolved to what it is today. Yeah. So they're the two things. You know, It's very difficult. And all these podcasts have been very difficult to compare players from very different times in the game, yeah, hasn't it? And that, that's that's always going to be the problem doing this, and it's why it's, uh, I guess, if you like, no answer is ever conclusive, but certainly the debate is what makes it interesting. Um, yeah, it's, so, do you know what, Ryan? It's, it's hard to count out a guy whose class is a trailblazer because my favourite all-time NFL player from, now obviously your heart's with the Packers, but, you know, ever, anybody, is Don Hudson. And he was seen as a trailblazer. He basically invented the wide receiver position so ron kramer you know you see him quoted as a trailblazer so it's hard because don't we take that for granted i mean if you look at any sort of walk of life and when someone sort of paves the way for somebody else to come in and and do something you know like be it of any sort of race religion or whatever um Mm -hmm. to pave the way for somebody else to come in and, and then the people who come in after kind of take that for granted you know like this is a really bad analogy but to look at rap music for instance so you'll see lads who paved the way and and broke into the industry and went kind of mainstream at rap and hip-hop and and made it sort of the thing that it is then all these young rappers like i've heard these names i don't know about them little yahtzee and all these dopes and they're coming in and they're just like yeah you know and they can do what they do because jay-z and nas uh or nas came in and did their thing so I don't know who's the Jay Z and who's the Nas of these tight ends. Who who we pick at number one and number two here? Well, Matt Tisdale comes in and says that he's always like Bubba Franks. Yeah. Uh, well, we have two, but we're not picking him number one. So it's going to be Kramer or Kaufman, isn't it? Mm. I know where I'm voting. Okay, we doing rock paper Sorry, scissors. Come. 
yeah, do you want to, do we just shout me out? That's all, hold okay. on. Uh, three, two, one. And we, do we go on one or do we go on the pause? That should be zero. Go on zero. Uh-huh. That's how you always do it. Yeah, do you? It's not three, yeah. two, brr, no? No, of course it's not. Because oh. that's not three whole seconds, that's only two seconds. Breaking news. Sorry. Ready, ready? Okay, let's do it. Three, two, one. Kaufman. Paul Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was premature. I, uh, premature. That's okay. So, yeah. So, I think we actually agreed on one. Yeah. I made as good an argument as I could for Ron Kramer. Yeah. And he is a very... Well, they're all gallant losers, obviously. There is no loser in this group, I guess. But, yeah. Paul apart, Kaufman, I think, is the one. Apart from all the fans that voted. Uh, apologies for that. Yeah. Uh, Bubba Franks didn't make it. That's all right. We'll see. We can see who disagrees and agrees with us. Uh, let us know what you think. Obviously, tweet in. Facebook us. Yeah. Do whatever you got to do, but let us know what you think. Let us know if you think we got it right. Let us know if you think we got it wrong. Let us know if you just enjoyed the story at the start about Steve's accent. Let us know. <laughs> the Accent Podcast, now, out every Saturday night. But, yeah, so, Ryan, hopefully now after, you know, because the poll is one thing and it does give us that leverage to go off, but hopefully if you did vote for anybody who wasn't, um, you know, Kaufman, that maybe we convinced them. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But, I te- do you know what? Let's Let's keep on with the offense get the offense finished so we will go offensive line in honor of the great honorable jerry kramer making it as one of the senior finalists to the pro football hall of fame uh, that'll be a fun one so hopefully there'll be no uh, emergency trips to the gp or anybody for anyone for you me or my kids um so mm-hmm. i guess that's it we're, we're going to be back on it should be said that we're not going to be here next thursday to do an episode because uh, we might be somewhere else yeah I don't know. We, we might try record one early. If not, it's it's going to be pretty manic on the run-up. So me and Ryan bringing a whole troop of people over to Green Bay to the Seahawks game. It's an annual trip. We do it every year. And um, If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know that. We even have podcasts just about the trip when it announces. Um, if not, and you want that trip of a lifetime, start saving now if you're not on it. But we will hold off on any announcements for next year until we get this year over with. But do stay tuned. And we'll be back on Sunday to talk the preseason game. Um... You know, it's going to mean all business. We made another splash in free agency. Um, it really looks like the hallmarks of Elliot Wolf and not Ted Thompson, but that's a debate that we're going to have on Sunday. So for now, for the all-pack uh, UK team, which is <laughs> fun to say and uh, try to get out of my face, it's at Steady the NFL. Give me a follow. At UK Packers. Give us a follow. At Ryan Peacock NFL. Give him a follow. It's see you Sundays. Have a great day. <laughs>